And as church, you don't know this, but we've we've been supporting his ministry now for, I don't know, eight or nine, yeah, ten years. Uh, we've been supporting him monthly for, for ten years. And, and Kevin Sipes and I actually got to go to India. And I there's a lot of stories from that, but the one thing I learned is that Kevin Sipes is a meat and potatoes guy. That man ate that man ate pizza every night at the hotel, and uh, anyway. But uh, Jay Paul, why don't you come up? Let's give him a hand. We're glad you're here. Hold on, let me get you a mic. Which side do you want? You want this side? You want this side? What do you prefer? Which Which is your better looking side? <laughs> you're good. I'll face this side. <laughs> So somebody asked me today who how we met. Do you know how we met? I don't remember. I don't not sure. Um, there's um, was it through Mark uh, Anderson? Amanda. That's right. That is what it was. Yeah. Amanda connected us. That that, that is what it was. Um, so there you go, Max. You're you're asking a friend who used to work for work for me actually connected yeah. us. And have, were you living in Kansas City in that time too? Um, yes. Okay. And you're going to have to keep your mic up because we have some people on Zoom listening and so they can hear you better. Um, but why don't you just tell them, I want to take this morning to kind of ask Jay Paul, he has such an interesting life and in ministry, and I think of, of a lot of the ministries I know, they really do an incredible job of just serving faithfully the least of these, and I'm so grateful for that. And this is not a man who's about the glory, this is a man who's about, like, lingering with people where they are and um, and so I appreciated that for you but why don't you just tell us a little bit about the ministry what rescuing lives does and then I will just I will just dig in and just start asking random questions and you are free to interrupt a question and just share whatever you want to share too why don't you shoot like two questions and I'll yeah, yeah. link it all together all right all right rescuing lives tell us first about what rescuing rescuing lives does and then I want to to you to tell me a little bit about your family and how God got, got you in the ministry. So uh, To start, how we started rescuing life and how, my calling and where I am, it came from the past where my dad started all over. And I got to tell that story. Okay, yeah, yeah. you can tell yeah. the story. Tell the <laughs> yeah. story. Well, um, I just, in Indian culture... Eastern analogy, we always tell stories. So I got this one story in my mind this morning um, about um, a rat, um, a mouse, um, and, a, and a chicken, and a goat, and a buffalo all stayed together in the farmer's house. And the farmer got a box, and he opened the box from FedEx, and um, Wait, we have a goat and FedEx in the story. Okay, yeah. keep going. <laughs> and a buffalo. <laughs> and a buffalo, but a cow. Okay. And uh, he opened, and uh, the rat was looking, the mouse was looking from the little crack of the wall, and he was surprised that it was a mouse traps. <laughs> and he was devastated about that and pretty sad about a mouse trap. And he went and alerted everybody there and said, Oh, chicken, there's a mouse trap out there. Uh, chicken goes, not my problem. <laughs> At least bothers me. He didn't care. And um, you go to the goat and say, hey, do you know there's a mouse trap there? 
and uh, the strap out there, and he said, well, all I can do is I can pray for you. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. And then he goes to the cow, and the cow said, it's not my problem. And uh, that night, a snake came in and got his tail got trapped in the mouse trap, and he got scared and bit the farmer's wife. She got sick. She was in the hospital. Fever is not going. So we all know in the South how if you have a fever, we need a good chicken soup. So chicken got cut, made chicken soup. The farmer's wife is not getting better. So a lot of people from the church came to see her, pray for her. So a lot of people came. So the goat got cut to feed all the people. And, um, and then the farmer's wife died. And it was a huge funeral. A lot of people came. And the cow got butchered and got fed all the people. So the story here is like when somebody comes to us with a problem, we just can't say it's not my problem because it's going to someday affect all of us. The Bible says some of them are heads, some of them are hands, some of them are feet, some of them are eyes. We're all a body of Christ. And we may not be friends or relatives, but we're all connected here. Well, telling that story, I just tell you that my father was a Hindu, and he was a police officer. And one thing he passionately hates is Christians and all the gods. Because when my grandmother and my grandfather had first baby, they dedicated their baby to a Hindu god. And in 11 months or something, the baby died. And they dedicated the second child, they dedicated to a Hindu god, died. So 10 children was born to my grandmother and everyone died. The 11th child was my father. So this time, she's trying all the guards. And then she said, let me try this man named Jesus. He's one of the guards she had. She's been collecting a lot of guards. And a good collection, like stamp collection we do. In <laughs> India, they do guard collection, you know. And so she dedicated my father to um, Jesus and also other guards. But she said to my father, if you ever in trouble worship this God, his name is Jesus, and he will show up to help you. And he was the only one who was alive. And, but growing up, he had a hard life. Father, mother died, and um, father remarried. Stepmom doesn't like him, tried to poison him. And... Um, he gave food to cat, and the cat died, and he knows that stepmom tried to poison him, and she went and told everybody, this boy is trying to poison me. So the village people tried to beat him up, and he got so mad at his life that he went and burned the school he was studying. It was, he only studied eighth grade, and he burned the school. And he knows he's going to be in trouble, so he ran away uh, to 70 miles away, and kilometers away, and to a city. And there he saw an ad when he's 17, 18 years old that they're taking people for the military. So he signed up. He, went, he got shipped to uh, Delhi, and he was in the military 
for five years, he was in the war with China. He was war with uh, uh, India. Was war with Pakistan, and he was in all this war. And there was a um, uh, Chinese were bombing India. When they bombed his battalion of one thousand soldiers and one captain, and all of them, nine hundred and ninety-nine of them died. And he was only person was alive. And he looked around, and he knows the Chinese are coming to look for the uh, any bodies who are alive to shoot and take their they will take their hats and shoes and guns and stuff like that. And so he went on the top of a tree, sat down there all night long, and, and then he saw the Chinese come and do their thing. And they, when they left, he went back to the base and. They immediately promoted him as a captain, and so he was in the war. And God was protecting him, even though he was not serving him and committed his life. And coming back from military, he got married to my mom, not knowing she's a Christian. And he got married to my mom, who's a Christian, who loves to pray. And she doesn't read much Bible; she loves to pray, but she knows. Some scriptures in the Bible, like "He that hope in God will never be ashamed," and and she decided he's an alcoholic and he's uh, smokes cigar every I mean cigarettes so much. He's such an alcoholic. His toothpaste is whiskey, and and that was his lifestyle. And my mom went on her knees, started praying for him, and he said, "What are you doing? I'm praying for you." And, and my dad said, "I don't like prayer. I don't like Jesus. I don't like Bible." He burned the Bible, took a belt, and beat my mom. And my mom said, "You can beat me, or you can kill me, but I am not stop praying for you." Every day he'll have a schedule to beat her. She'll have a schedule to pray. She like, what are you doing? I'm praying. He'll come and beat her. She's like, you can beat me, and she will cry. She will scream. The neighbors will hear. Nobody can come to help her, and it's like a mouse story there. And everybody's affected. And if he puts on case on all the Christians and all stuff, so one day he came home coughing blood. Well, my mom and dad had four children. And he named them all Hindu goddess name, Lakshmi, means money goddess, um, and then Ratnam, then Nagesh. Or uh, these are all Hindu gods name, and then Narsaya. And um, my dad's name was Pullaya, and it's. And then he came home one day coughing blood, and the doctor said you're going to die in one month. Your your liver and lungs got totally damaged. You got only one month to live, and so my mom said, "Please." His dad said, "I'm going to go commit suicide. I'm going to leave the house, take care of the four children." She was a teacher in a Christian school there. The Pentecostal movement started in India by P. M. Samuel, one of the greatest men of God there. She's they have a school, and she's a teacher there, Telugu teacher. She says, "Take care of children. You got a job, and I'm going to go die." And my mom said, "Please don't leave my Jesus. God can heal you." And he said, "No, I don't believe in that." He beat her. She was six months pregnant, and this happened. He beat her, and he left. 
Mom said, God, Bible says, he that hope in God will never be ashamed. It's been 10 years I've been praying that to change him. Today he's going to go die. Can you please save him, bring him back home? And she's crying and she started fasting and praying. And she says, I am not going to uh, eat until my husband comes back. And she decided to fast and pray. The neighbor, who is a midwife, her name is Grace. She's 85 years old. And she helps my mom deliver babies in the home which my wife now picked up the job. My wife is a midwife. She's American. And my daughter is a midwife. She's 19 years old. And um, so looking back, we had a, in 50 years ago, 60 years ago, we had a midwife. Um, um, she would deliver babies. And she came to my mom and said, every day we saw you getting beat and cry. Past couple of days, we don't hear any beatings. He left. He's going to die somewhere. Dogs will eat him. Don't worry about him. Just live for your kids and move on. What an amazing American counseling she gave. <laughs> Thank God my mom didn't take that counsel. She said, he that hope in God wow. will never be ashamed. And I'm going to stick on to God because I will pray and I will seek God. I will believe in Him. I will trust Him. And she started praying. Tenth day, my dad took all the boxes of alcohol, went to another state called Chennai, Madras, stayed in a hotel, Dash Prakash, room number 206, started drinking for nine days every day. And the tenth day, he was about to touch the poison bottle. He was about to touch the poison bottle, and the bottle is moving away. He thought he was high. And, and a huge light appeared. And Jesus personally appeared to him and said, My son, my son, I'm going to use you as an apostle. A drop of blood from him fell upon him. He was instantly healed. Dad was so scared to see the light. He asked, Is there any God? And Jesus appeared to him. And healed him instantly. That was a miracle we got in 1966, August. And when he, when he got healed, um, there he got up, he got his call, came all the way back, eight hours in a train, knocked the door. My mom was still praying. When she opened the door, he, he, he saw a light on my mom's face and she thought she was an angel. The glory of God was upon my mom. And he fell down, held her feet, and said, Oh, angel, please don't leave me. She said, I'm not an angel, I'm your wife. <laughs> oh, okay. They both went on their knees, started praying. Ten years of abuse, she instantly forgave. And she says, God, thank you for saving this man's life. And they both started praying. Spirit of God comes up on my sister, who was eight years old, and she got up and she prophesied, my son, my son, I'm going to use it as an apostle. She went back to bed, my mom and dad praying. They both decided to resign the jobs. He resigned as a police officer. Mom resigned as a teacher. They wanted to serve the Lord full time. And the Spirit of God came upon them. They both started speaking in tongues. And mom doesn't know for 50 years what she was speaking but she was speaking in tongues. But dad was speaking in tongues in English. God just gave him English language. 
Not one time that he can understand English very well. He can preach in English. So mom took him to that Christian school to meet that man of God. And he gave him a Schofield Bible. King James Schofield Bible. Dad opened the Bible. He could understand perfectly the Bible. And he started preaching. And for 40 years he preached the word of God through that Bible. And people will get saved in the same village, the same city. Everyone around them got saved. Thousand people in the church. And they started bringing like offerings like rice bags and lentils and chili and uh, red chilies. And um, they grow all this in the field and they bring an offering. Chicken, uh, chicken eggs and small baby goats and, and the first fruits. They would bring them. He had so many that he had to call everybody from from around surrounding and say, I want to bless people. I have more food in the garden. Please take food. Please take food. He was feeding people. Everyone got affected because mom started praying for this man. And that's where it all started. Then he had another child. And at first he's changed all everybody's names. My sister's name is Gloria. My brother's name is Ratnam. And his actual name is Esu Ratnam. It's God's stone, Esu Ratnam. And then it was Jacob. And then it was Isaac. And Isaac was born. And, and then Prabhudas, God's servant. Then Israel, and who's an SAP, who's studying, uh, who's in America, went to vice president of an SAP company. And my brothers are all in high places. And um, then, then I was born. My dad named me Abraham J. Paul. Um, Abraham is father of nations, and God gave me a wife named Sarah. My father saw her, arranged marriage for me. I don't know her. I never dated her. She's American. Now I know it's going, how about some of your head? So it's okay. <laughs> you can breathe now. And so I married Sarah, and we both got married, and my name is J. Paul, and J means, middle name is J. Paul, J means victory. Paul means humble. My wife says, I know the first name. I don't know the Paul guy. Mm. So that's a joke in my family. And I'm, I'm working on it. Because in India, elephant is a god. Monkey is a god. And moon is a god. And nature is god. Everything is god. One of the god I like in India is husband is a god. So when I got married, I was god. I wanted my wife to worship me. Like I sat in the chair in America and I said, Sarah, get me a cup of coffee. She came to me very nicely and wonderfully and said, honey, God gave you legs and hands. Please help yourself and feel like home. She just killed that God right there. So I died 22 years ago. 23rd year going. Once in a while I pop up and she still kills me and the God in me. <laughs> but so <laughs> I was bad news, but Jesus is good news in me. And um, so I gave my life to Jesus and his uh, marriage is wonderful. I have two children. My son is Jedi Daya. We, God has been so faithful to our family, to generations. He it is not we who chose God, it is God who chose us. 
Everyone here has a call of God in your life, and we may be busy doing a lot of other things, but God will continuously sets up people, times, seasons to remind you who you are. You got a call. You got a call. It's like this: in Indian power, I mean, where is that? I mean, like a plugs here is one twenty. In India, it's two forty. So you take an American amplifier or some electronic, you know, hair blower. All the teams I take to India go got problem because they bring hair blowers and they just plug it in directly in the bathroom. Fire comes out. Jay Paul, what just happened? <laughs> Not meant to be. You're one twenty. This is two forty. <laughs> the the voltage is too much. I noticed that that well in my marriage I'm. Two forty, and she's one twenty. But we got an adopter named Jesus. It's been helping a lot. Well, some of us are—we have such a calling in our life, high energy, high calling, um, but we are living under, like, not what full potential of what we are created for. And so, if you're getting frustrated, not happy with your life, maybe check the the voltage level. You may be created for something big and something awesome, and then you're not able to find that what it is, and you're living a life not able to do that. It's really frustrating. But first of all, any vision, any calling God gives, it will scare your natural flesh. Because if you can do it, you don't need God. If it's God's vision, it's going to be big. It's go- you cannot accomplish, and you can only accomplish through His Spirit and His power and His calling, and His grace is available to us all the time. And so I became like my father. I wanted to be a police officer, and that was my passion. So I went and learned martial arts. I used to, when I'm 18 years old, I was a black belt. Now I am black. I lost the belt, but I'm, you know. Jordan told me if you want to sit in that chair, I said, ah, my belly will come out. Let me sit here and cover my belly. You should see his son too. He's a police officer now, and he's got the mustache and everything. <laughs> it's awesome. I want to be a police, and then God got hold of me, and I became a pastor, a traveler, and. Many things God is calling me to do. I'm doing that. My son became a police officer. He's 21 years old and married when he's 19. Has a baby. I have a granddaughter. She's super cute, and um, I can't believe I'm a grandfather. And I'm watching you like Jedediah, just loving on her. But it's four generations living together. My in-laws live with us in New York. Four generations serving the Lord, and my prayers, God, for 27 generations or 50 generations, can we serve the Lord if, until Jesus come back? I don't want anybody in my generation not serving the Lord, walking away from God, or trying to go dedicated themselves to these weird gods in India and tattoo gods, this God. I want them to serve God. And that is our story. And then we, I got saved, and uh, Sarah and myself, we started... Uh, seeing modeling what dad used to do and he rescues people from human trafficking he helped women in India he 
that women are so oppressed in India that he, my mom is the first person in a 50,000 crusade can get up on a stage and pray for people. So women cannot be on the stage. Mom would grab my mom and say, uh, dad will say, mom, come up. Can you please pray for the people? So if she became the mama for so many people that got accepted. Now pastor's wives can go up on the stage and pray. Fifty years past now, they're preaching. And they're serving the Lord. So my dad saw that value and started valuing. I saw how my dad valued my mom and the women in India and his children. Any preachers from America will come. The women cannot be on the stage. But my dad will say, this is my daughter who is going to preach the word of the Lord. Who is going to say no to that? And nobody can say no to my dad there. So they, she gets up. My pastor wife from New York. She's American, she's white, and she'll preach. And she'll prophesy, she'll preach, and amazing. She says, that's my daughter. And so I saw dad doing that for 50 years, uh, 45 years, and, and I, I was, something installed in me that, that that's what we have to do. Now I rescue kids from human trafficking. I partner with a lot of organizations like ORC. And um, you watch a Netflix show called Blacklist. There's a guy named Boz there. And Boz is my friend, and he works with ORC, and he has a good team of uh, former Marines. Will anyone who gets abducted or, uh, or kidnapped or human trafficked from American children, we got 100% success rate to bring them back. No matter where they are, we got intel to know, find out, and they come back. We have a good team, people in America. In India, we do that, rescuing girls and women, because my dad was a police officer, and his brothers, which is cousins, and um, my grandpas are eight grandpas. <laughs> my dad has no immediate siblings, but he has eight grandfathers, uh, brother, uh, grandfathers and brothers, cousins. All of them are police department, and my dad still has influence. Their children are police now. My son is police now. So we have so much influence because one man gave his life to Jesus and 7,000 churches were built in India. We have a network of 4,000 women got rescued and they're all in the village, become self-sustainable. Somebody in the plane looked at my story and said, you are an entrepreneur. I said, what does that mean? I don't know what it is, but something fancy word. I'm like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. Great. Um, that means uh, you told me you're one who goes and starts businesses and helps people. I'm like, okay, that's what I do. Great. Thanks for giving me a, um, a word for what I do. You have to stop and tell them when you say self-sustaining, you guys, you guys help widows and especially women, depressed and people coming out of, out of trafficking to talk about what it means to help people arrive to self-sustaining and why that's important. So in a slum, uh, 50,000 people live in a slum, sometimes 100,000 people, and depends on which slum it is. Slum is the breeding ground for human trafficking, prostitution, professional murders, even police are scared to go there. So we got a school, we take the kids and we educate them. More than 5,000 kids got graduated from our school and not live in the slum anymore. They change their lives. We're changing a generation. But the parents, when somebody we rescue from human trafficking or slavery or prostitution, when we get the women or the girls out and uh, we give them a skill, 
Six months they stay with us for $500. We give them food and education and we give them a sewing uh, skill. They do tailoring and stitch scarves and pillow covers and masks and all kinds of stuff. And I got a few things with me which they have done. So these are the stuff they do. A bag. Um, this is they ha all handmade. And... Um, and they do that, and we sell this uh, a group of other girls who had a vision to do trading. So <coughs> for many years, we were very good at training people to sew, but we didn't have any connection for trading. So now somebody came from the city, Women of Waller Ministry, and said, our job is to find people like you who has businesses, and we will take what we stitch, we'll give you material, we'll give you model, we'll give you skill, we'll train you and your women can stitch there and we can take it and sell it and give them 50% of the profit of that. I said, we like that. So we took that and they're doing this and I got a few things to show. That's been a really successful program. Now the government in India is going after uh, people who are preaching the gospel, and shedding off funds from America for, like, compassion. Uh, India got shut down. And so they're going after Christian organizations. But for, we're already, for 22 years, we kind of like under the banner of uh, a humanitarian work, and they call it... Uh, um, like helping the widows and orphans and stuff. We have no problem doing that, but that has been a great model for us to preach the gospel. Every woman who comes there, every child, every... I mean, we also have a problem with throwing away babies. If you're a girl baby, they don't want them. They leave them at the hospital. They leave them at the trash. They leave them at some gate. Not, now knowing my place is a safe place for rescuing girls. Some of the people who can't take their children back home because mother-in-law, father-in-law, husband says it's a girl baby, we don't want it. And if you want to keep the baby, don't come home. But she has other children and to go, so she have to leave a baby. So she's struggling and she lives outside our compound, my home, and we go find a baby and we get them, we take care of them, we raise that baby and we give a local adoption. International adoption is illegal and 30 years ago somebody was human trafficking in the name of adoption, so the government has stopped that international adoption. So we do local adoptions, rescue babies and teach people to be self-sustainable. It's, it's a heart that I saw my father modeled and my mom modeled and I do the same thing. God has anointed Sarah and me. When Sarah was five years old, my wife, she read Amy Carmichael book and that she was rescuing girls from temple prostitution and Sarah read those things that how she rescues girls. Amy Carmichael stayed 54 years in India and Sarah wanted to become like that and when she was 18 years old, um, they asked her in the graduation um, and what do you want to do with your life? She said, I want to be a missionary to India and rescue girls in India. Little bit she know that she'll marry an Indian and that we'll be doing rest of her life rescuing girls. Wow. Uh, I think this is a critical point, though, because I want, uh, I mean, one of the reasons we support you is because you, the people that you're, you know, especially the widows that you're trying to empower, you're leading them to a place of self-sustaining, self-sustainability, and a lot of ministries might help people, you know, with some food, which you guys help with food, you guys help with a lot of basic needs, but 
but that is one of the things I think that makes that's made you different over the last decade that I've known you is that you've always been trying to help people come to a place where they don't they're not dependent upon yeah. you. Yeah. So one of the village and during COVID, the entire village is four hundred years they've been practice practicing sorcery and witchcraft. It's like they're they deal a lot of people go there and to get some connection with God and um, they want to get prophesied through this sorcery. A lot of stuff. The entire village is into sorcery. So during COVID lockdown, they have no food. Nobody wants to hear the sorcery. And they have no job. They're all dying. Um, so they came to us for food. And we get to give them food and feed them every day and preach the gospel and pray for them. They're standing in the line have a coupon, and they go to their tent, social distancing. They sit down. One pass, All the pastors and volunteers, we have 2,000 volunteers and praying for them and ministering to them. And, and they're all, the entire village of sorcery for 400 years got saved. And so now we have the, our net is full. For discipleship, my brother has a church 10 yards away from that village. And his church is packed with people, and he's discipling, his, everybody's busy. And then I'm giving all the women there sewing machines to learn how to sew and teach them a skill, because they don't have another skill. They only know sorcery. And, and then the children, thousand children, need to go to school. So my brother has a school who can only fit thousand, and his school is full. So we decided, morning, the regular kids will come, and the afternoon, these kids will come, and we just made up a story like social distancing, COVID, so we're doing only half day, and, and so we somehow fit into the entire building, 2,000 people, crowded, and well, if you have a space like this, there will be 1,000 people in this building, packed full in India, and so that's the way it is, we're running it, and uh, God is gracing me. Uh, connecting to people in America during COVID when everybody has no food and no money, no job, struggling in India, the widows were stitching masks and people were buying from them. They, had, they have financially settled. Every, everyone who rejected them, people will come them to stand and say, would you please stitch us masks and give us a deal. And they were giving them deals, some of them for free, some of them making money. So God is um, the... People who rejected them now become the one of the main people there helping people. So, so I want to I want to I want to take you on a like a hard left turn and ask you a question. One of the things that really impressed me about Jay Paul whenever I first met him was he has this book, um, like this like I don't know like a scrapbook is the only way I know how to describe it. And uh, he Jay Paul's also been connected to. International House of Prayer. They they spent the last ten years. You know, well, how long have you been in Kansas City? Eleven years. Okay, eleven years. That's right. Because I met I when I came, you had just yeah. when we met, you had just yeah. uh, been up there. And so they really have from your mom and just from your time there have just this incredible anointing to pray and to intercede. And so he has this, this journal that he would flip through. And it would have all these people, like hundreds of people's pictures, and he would just sit there and pray over them every day for an hour. And I saw this this picture of my family in there, and 
And I just uh, have admired you as a person of prayer. And I would just like you to talk about how prayer and intercession and praying for others and ministering to the Lord has been just this driving, like maybe how it's connected to your mom's life and ministry and how that has been a fuel for you guys' ministry. Um, I was in college, uh, not saved, doing my thing in Hyderabad. I'm a badminton player. You know badminton? That you guys go to picnic and play in your backyard? He, he's almost like <laughs> Olympic level badminton player. So yeah. I'm like and literally. So which that means nothing to you guys. I understand that. And you now <laughs> you basketball, football, you know, this this badminton. I, I, I was playing badminton and um, and then I like motorcycle racing and I had this hundred cc bike which I was in a very crowded city in Hyderabad. I will be like wheeling and doing crazy stuff and so there was a bus who was going round what do you call this uh, a roundabout he's supposed to turn the side and go there and my room is here my house I mean college room so when he is turning I thought it will be so cool to go inside that and bend and my knees will touch the ground and I had this like a God here from America, cool one, and which it touches the, when it touches the uh, road, it gives you sparks. That is the coolest thing I like doing. So I snuck inside that, and I always do that in works. That day, when I went inside, when I did this, and my bike was almost down, and I'm, my uh, knees were touching the ground, and Somebody repaired my front brake. When I applied both brakes, one went too much, and the front wheel goes, oink, slipped, and I was under the bus. The bus went over. My, my uh, bike went underneath there. It jumped on. The whole bus went over me. I don't know what happened. Something just pushed me out, but a little pinch in my left leg, in my big nerve here, and, and there was blood coming, and I came out totally fine. My bike destroyed there, and uh, my room was right there, so I went into my room, laid down and, and there, and my roommate was a doctor, so he's also studying to be a police officer, tied up something, <laughs> laying on my bed, and my dad calls me from America. They live in Chicago. My mom is trying to get a citizenship so we all can get green card to America. So she's in Chicago. While she's there getting bored, she found a job, a nursery job. She can go babysit people. She learned how to get on a bus, get down to babysitting place. She doesn't know English. She will babysit uh, like in a nursery. And she led everybody there to the Lord. And somebody there said, let's start a church and started a church. And my mom will go to grocery, win people, bring them, go to nursery, win people, come to get on a bus, talk to the bus driver, get saved, bring to the church. The church, the church was 50 to 70 people. Everyone got saved through my mom. And she's in Chicago and she can't speak English. She sees in her, in her, you know, she's walking on the road and somebody was sitting there and smoking. And my dad, my mom will walk around, stop, say, she will take the cigarette from the mouth and say, no good, health, not good, health, not good, cigarette. 
And she's like, they look at her and says, who are you? She's like, health not good. Pray, pray for you. She'll pray and they'll be crying and giving their life to Jesus. It's totally like God doing it. My mom can't take any credit because she will do things like that. Zero English. And one of the greatest desires, which is not fulfilled, and she died, was to learn English. She will go to grandchildren and say, teach me English, I'll teach you Telugu. They all learn Telugu, but she didn't learn English. <laughs> so to get a citizenship, those days you need to memorize 10 questions to take an oath to become an American citizen. She went to take an oath to take 10 questions. The 10 questions she studied five years to memorize that. First question is, who is the president of America? She's like, wait, 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 don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. <gasps> bush, 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 bush. And she'll be so excited. I'm like, mom, better get citizenship passed before the president changes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so she got citizenship. She, my dad calls and says, mom saw a vision that you went on a bus and your leg is hurt. You're laying on the bed. And I told her, you're fine. Are you okay? She goes, Dad, I just played badminton and came back. And I'm totally fine. I lied. So she told Mama, you sleep a lot. You're getting weird dreams. You're getting weird. All these prophetic people are weird people. That's what my dad told my mom. You're, you're weird. You know, you see things. And he's totally fine. He played badminton. You're saying under the bus and leg, cut, blood. She was very graphic. And dad's like, no, nothing happened. You're weird. And mom said, he's lying. Call him back. Let me, let me talk to him. So <laughs> she calls me and says, don't lie. Your one leg is on the bed now. You went under the bus. Your bike is still out in the road there. And you're struggling and you're lying to me. She goes, yes, mom. I'm sorry. Couldn't say anything. She has like a, like a big screen there in front of my life. God is showing to her. How can you say no to that? And uh, dad says, really? He's a president of doctor's association. So he calls 100 miles away. Doctors, what are you all doing? My son is hurt and is there. Oh my God. Like they sent an ambulance, took me there to my home. There's 100 doctors around me. I don't know what the gynecologist is doing there. <laughs> heart specialist is doing there. And skin specialist, heart specialist, every specialist in town is there. Because my dad is the president of Doctors Association. So they came to me and said, dude, you're okay. Your big nerve uh, pinched. It takes six months to get healed. You stay. We left the bone specialist and nerve specialist here. But we're not meant to take care of this man. We're gynecologists, but if we leave, your dad will get upset. Can you tell your dad you're okay? I'm like, I can tell, but you got to convince my mom. If I lie, my mom will know. So they all talked to my dad and said he's fine, and they left. And I'm here, laying on a bed, can't move my leg. And my relatives, my mom's sisters, my aunts came and said, 
you want to be, you, know, you are a black belt, you want to be a police officer, you want to do this, you want to do that. But if God does not heal your leg, you will be handicapped and you'll be a beggar. Oh my God, yeah, I can't do nothing with my no leg. I realized that. So I prayed, God, if you heal my leg, I'll serve you. Within one hour, I got healed. I went, I had the, that uh, punching bag, what you call Bob in America. And I started kicking and I was doing good. And doctor said, no, 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 your nose will hit. Nah, I'm fine. I got my mic back and I was doing good. Did not serve God. Later, God got hold of me. Every time I'm doing something, mom calls me. Even I'm in America, God said, being a pastor, traveling, my mom calls me. She never asked me, how are you doing? She always tells me how I am doing. <laughs> I walked out of the door, tried to open a new door, and my little finger got pinched in the uh, door, and I'm hurting. Mom calls, how is your little finger? <laughs> it's so scary that how she's tuned with God, she knows everything what's going on. And I don't know, I forgot the question you asked. <laughs> so... <laughs> Your mom prays. How does that affect your prayer? I decided, yes, if mom prayed 10 years and so much impact in the ministry, four generations serving the Lord, 7,000 churches, dad went to 156 countries. I go to Germany in the middle of nowhere. I'm standing in a railway station. Somebody comes to me and says, are you Pastor Philip's son? Your dad prayed for me and I got healed. I'm today a pastor. Would you please come with me to preach in my church? Doors open up randomly for me everywhere I go. I, w I walked in Canandaigua, New York, upstate New York, and I saw a girl standing in the streets named Sarah. She's a prostitute. I go to her and I say, uh, do you know what the name of your, uh, meaning of your name? She says, Sarah means princess. I said, no, mother of nations. You're called to nations. What are you doing here? She goes, yeah, my dad used to be a pastor. Used to be or he's still a pastor? No, he used to be fallen sin and the church didn't like him. They didn't recover him, restore him, or they kicked him out and they told all the children not to come to church. So we hate church and God passionately. Uh, what do you do? I'm a prostitute. I'm like, well, get on my car. Let's go home. So I took her home and introduced my wife named Sarah. So my wife said, who is she? I don't know. I met her on the street. She, she's any, my only one question my wife will ask me all the time is, how long they will stay in our home. I said, that's the only question I don't know, honey. God have to do something. So she came home and we heard her story. We took her to our pastor. We took her to our church. We ministered to her. And now I want to go talk to the dad who's hurt. So I went to the, knock the door. All the pastors said, don't go. His background is Italian. You'll be having a big bottle of wine in his, uh, you know, that gallon bottle of wine in his front yard. He will be mean. He like, doesn't like pastors. Don't knock the door. He'll hurt you. So he kicked his daughter out of the house because of her lifestyle. I took her and went to knock the door. He opened the door, came with the shotgun and says, what do you want? He was mad. And I looked at him. I said, I want one minute time from you. She goes, you got it. Tell me what you want. He doesn't want to come inside the house. And I said, sir, you came to India and spoke the gospel. You are a great man of God. Everyone you spoke, he's a great man of God now, had biggest churches in India. You are the, one of the greatest mentors we've ever seen. And I am one of your seed. Thank you for preaching the gospel to me when I was five years old. And he looked at me and said, are you Pastor Philip's son? 
I said, yes. I said, you are Abraham. He's the only one who calls me Abraham. Everybody calls me J. Paul. And says, Abraham, I know you. Come on inside, man. You're just like your dad. And, and he says, but not her. I said, oh, she's not coming. I'm not coming inside. He goes, oh, just like your dad. Come inside. So we both went inside, sat down. And within a few minutes, his, one of the sons is a gangster in Rochester, looked at me and started using all the F-words and all kinds of bad words. and says, who are you? Why are you in the house? He's totally thinking I'm his sister's boyfriend who happened to come inside. He's mad. And he was using all foul words at me. I got upset. I, I was newly married, newly saved, and young, and still black belt. And I couldn't take it. I still, he was using so many bad words, and I, dad is not doing anything about it. And I'm just like standing here, looked around. I went, nailed him to the couch and put my foot on his neck and says, if you ever speak to me like that, disrespect me. I'll kill you and go back to India. Nobody will catch me. <laughs> it was humorous. I was like, new. it was 22 years ago. And <laughs> I changed, you know. But he said, Dad, who is this guy? He said, it's Pastor Philip's son. And he goes, oh. Now it makes sense. And the kid knows my dad. And the dad said, are you glad it's not his dad? His dad would have shot you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, dad. We sat down, spoke the gospel. He's actually in Hollywood, uh, like a, some kind of technician, cameraman. He works for Hollywood. And he wants to go to India. Daughter, him, went to India with me. Got saved, serving the Lord God uses me things like anywhere I go, that God has used my dad and now he's opening doors for me randomly like that. And I can't take any glory of this. I give all the glory to God. But all goes back, if a mom can pray 10 years for dad like that, what legacy I am leaving to my children and grandchildren. I would like my grandchild to say, my grandpa paid for, prayed for me 10 years. Not paid for me, you know prayed for me. You know, I know grandpas love to pay for the children and grandchildren, but we want to pray. So I started a journal. Everyone God brings, I started taking the picture and putting in my prayer room, a, a, a journal. I stick, like a, I go home, take pictures, I put it. Uh, I used to like, every time go to some, stay in somebody's house, hey, can I have your family picture? I will take a picture of those and stick it in the prayer room. But I wrote there, I'm going to pray 10 years. I wrote the date what I prayed and what I started. And I said, if I lose this journal, please return to this address. I'll give you $100. <laughs> I wrote that in the prayer journal. And one time, uh, I parked my car to minister somebody. Just within five minutes, I walked inside to drop something, came out. They stole my bag. My bag is gone. My, uh, those days there's a small iPod or something. I have all the sermons in that I used to listen. iPod and my prayer journal, my bag is gone. I was so sad. Next day the police department called and said, hey, we found a bag underneath the bridge. There's nothing in that bag except a prayer journal. I said, I'll come right now. I went there, I got my journal, not touched. It was so good, came back. So, looking back now, I wanted to pray 10 years, and this December is 10th year. And what's next? 
Well, I like it so much, I started another book. <laughs> and I still pray. But 10 years of investment of prayer, I did. And I see the fruit of that now. All my children love the Lord. My grandchildren will love the Lord. And because of that fruit of that prayer, we pray and we forget God will not. And there's so much power in prayer. And we, our brother this morning was saying that we, we have scars. If we have wounds and trying to minister, I don't trust you. If you have scars and you're ministering, I trust you. The warriors, I don't trust a, a warrior who doesn't have any scars. <laughs> We're all wounded. You know, pioneers have a lot of arrows stuck to them. And, uh, but Jesus said, look at my scars. You know, we all have wounds. We have scars. We can minister out of our scars, but not out of our wounds. So I want to, in, in a minute, I want to have you just pray over us that God would. I feel like that's that's the thing that just like lingers with me about every time I hear your family story and your own story is just this this call to pray and to have great faith. You know, I just like knowing you. For the time I've known you, you're, you're, you've always been a person of great faith. And I want you to pray here for us that we're going to receive this great impartation of faith and prayer. Um, but before I do that, we, like I'm going to have our kids come in here. Yeah. They've been taking, putting little coins in an M&M's thing to get to to give to Rescuing Lives, and they want to pray for you. Amen. And um, the funny thing about it is, I didn't tell Elena this, but your kind of like signature message back in the day was your M&Ms that you used yeah. to give. Yes. So, um, <laughs> the three M&Ms I used to speak is, don't maximize your problem. Don't minimize your resources. Don't try to manage your own life, which is from the um, five loaves of bread and two fishes. And first question they said, we have five loaves of bread, two fishes, but what are they for so many? You're minimizing the resources and maximizing the problem. And, but if they put it in the hands of Jesus, he multiplied it. And uh, don't try to manage yourself. Put your life in God's hand. A basketball in my hand is worth nothing. Basketball in Michael Jordan's hand is $30 million. Baseball in my hand is nothing. Baseball in Mark McGuire's hand was amazing. And uh, worth a lot. Slingshot in my hand is nothing. I can hit one of you and get in trouble. But slingshot in David's hand killed a Goliath. It's all in whose hand it is. A hole in my hand is just a wound. But a hole in Jesus' hand gave salvation to entire mankind. It's all in whose hand it is. Put your life in God's hand. Your life is worth more. And so that was my signature message is three M&Ms. Don't maximize your, your life. Don't minimize your resources. Whatever God gives you, use it for the kingdom. He'll multiply it. And um, don't say, I, don't compare yourself to other people. Oh, no, I'm not so-and-so singer. I'm not talented as that person, this person. No, whatever God gave you, use it. He'll multiply it. And that was three M&Ms I used to love speaking on. So, so Alana, when, when she, she the, the kids worked on this thing to get you know, these quarters in this in in the M and M's and I just was like, Oh, I forgot that you used to preach the M and M message everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So they're gonna come in and they're good. Okay. Wow. This is awesome.
thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Y'all come oh, around over here. Come thank around you this so way. Y'all walk around thank this you. way. There's more space on this side for some reason. Whoa. Over here. Walk this way. Come all the way over here. Okay. I'll stay here though. No, you gotta stay in the middle. Oh, I stay in the middle. Wait, wait, wait. Stay right here. You're good, you're good. Okay. So in kids' church, we've been um, really talking about different ways to be generous um, with our words and with our prayers. And we decided to be generous with our change and our money. And so these kids have spent a couple of weeks collecting coins and money for your ministry. And um, they just want to take a minute and pray for you. So a different couple different kids that want to pray for you in your ministry. Yeah. We just want to say that we appreciate what you do um, and the effort you put into saving Amen. children well, and women. So. I got married 22 years ago. When I first got married, I had zero money. My dad paid for the wedding. My, my pastor, pastor wife, threw a party. 900 people came. Everybody in the ch- church made cake, food. It was like potluck. Everybody bought food, put it at my wedding table. And it was amazing. We got all this stuff. We got married. And what's next? I got to go to India, stay with my dad's house. And whatever my dad tells, we'll do. That's all. And we got food on the table. We all eat together. But I have zero budget. And for my Sarah and me, culturally, that is totally okay. And a lot of Americans don't understand that. And, uh, but I needed pocket money. I go ask my dad. Dad, I want to take my wife to the city. And he goes, how, how many days? Well, a couple days. Can I use your car? Sure. And so you fill up the gas and give it to us. We'll go to the city. But we want to go to a restaurant and eat. We have no money. And uh, like, we have to ask dad. Dad, can you? So I realized, oh, I need money for my marriage. And, um, and then our church children all collect money. Every Sunday they put coins. End of the month, they send me to India $200. This was started uh, 22 years ago. Even today, I get from the children's ministry $200. For 22 years, my home church has been sending $200. And they don't want to stop because God has been blessing them. And they get to hear stories from that. And after that, this is the church who's doing that. Thank you so much. This is so precious to me. I started my ministry with children giving me coins. And I'm still going to continue that. Amen. Thank you so much. You can, you can pray for me. Okay. Who is it wanted to pray? Okay. Y'all all come gather around. Come on. Don't be shy. Okay. Keeble, will you start? Jesus, thank you for Jay Paul. Thank you um, for all the things that he has done for us and for India. And um, thank you that you made him a, a good life to live in and to preach in. And thank you that um, he's come here. And thank you for giving us money to give him. Um, thank you for Jay Paul that you got to come here and see our church and stay here. Um, and he 
for Jay Paul and how he got to come here and um t and take the money that we um gave to him for the people in India that don't have a lot of money and please make sure he has a safe ride home. God, we just thank you um, for this blessing um, and so many lives and the things that he does for others, the heart he has um, for the people of India, for the women and children. We just pray, pray extra blessings over him and his ministry when he returns home. We just pray that the coins that we have collected um, would just be multiplied in your name. Amen. 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 I'm going to frame this in India oh. and keep it. You got to Thank you. Picture. So, uh, no, no, no. You all have to come to India <laughs> to see that. Ha, ha, ha. I, I can't miss that chance, man. <laughs> come on. This, you sowed seed in me. I got to sow seed in your mind, too. You got to come to India to see that. <laughs> so, you all want to come to India someday? That's awesome. You get to preach to the kids there. People there, woman there, and you trust God and keep praying for India. If you have an India map or an India picture or something, put it in your Bible. And whenever God um, reminds you when you're praying, pray for India, pray for the people of India, for the children of India, for the babies. You know, recently one of the we have problem the in the villages they do child marriages. Like 14 year old girl got married and. And got a baby, and nobody wants a girl baby. But the baby's so cute; she's super. She's like four or five months old, and we took her, and she's with me now in India. The baby's eleven months old, and we're going to give her give her for adoption pretty soon. But she's with us, so babies like that will love to for you to come and speak to them, carry them, take care of them. Amazing! God will use you all of you, and I thank you so much for this love and prayer and gift. I'm going to cherish this. Grace, you better come to India. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, man. It's awesome. Hey, will you, will you pray, pray yes. for us that God yes. would release a gift of faith through yeah. prayer? Yeah, and Psalms. I want, uh, I want to talk about yeah. giving to you. Amen. Psalms uh, 11 uh, 13 says that if the righteous, uh, if, the, if the foundation is shaken, what will the righteous do? Um, this morning we're praying, Susan was praying that let's, uh, Lord, awaken uh, the foundations in us. What we used to do, but we're not doing anymore. Uh, stuff like that, if you have, we already know how, how to pray. <laughs> we already know the Spirit of God is available. We already know how to fast. We, have, we already know all this stuff. But sometimes we just need a little push and I pray the Holy Spirit will come and awaken in us the disciplines of our life which we already know how to get close to God. We don't need to be, God will remind us and help us for that but the, the, the roots of the righteous will never be shaken 
And if you're connected to God, your, your, your roots of the righteous will never be shaken. A righteous man's children's children will never be shaken and will be left over or will be forgotten. A uh, lot of scriptures on that. So I want to encourage you guys to, uh, to remember the foundations again. Uh, um, I pray, Lord, the first love will come and hit us for the Lord. And teach us, get back to how to fashion pray, how to connect with you. Teach us, Lord, how to love you more, Lord. I pray impartation of prayer, spirit of prayer will come upon us, Father Lord. That we will see normally praying for people to get healed, to give a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, Lord. And I pray that each one of us calling will be... Um, the gifts of God will be irrevocable, you said, Lord. And I pray each one's calling will be uh, like kindled again in our lives, Lord. You have called each and every one for a specific, special purpose for the Lord. I pray for this church to fulfill the destiny of what you're called for. I pray for Pastor uh, Jordan, Lord. I pray for his wife and children, Father Lord, your hand be upon them. But the favor of God, whatever they do, Lord, I pray an ounce of God's favor. It's worth the lifetime of your labor. Lord, I pray that favor be released upon this church and everyone who's sitting here today. That your favor will continue, Lord. I pray for a breakthrough in their lives today. That they will go home totally refreshed, Lord. Totally refreshed and it's new, renewed spirit upon them. Give us, take up the heart of the flesh and give us a new heart for the Lord. A heart, Lord. Your word says that I will pour out my spirit upon your descendants, upon your offspring. Father, I pray, pour out the spirit upon us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, uh, before before we end this time, you guys know we don't make a practice of taking up offerings for our community. You give because you feel compelled to give, and that's what we leave it at. But when people are here, we want to be generous. And so Andrew and I um, plan on sowing something into J. Paul's ministry and Rescuing Lives as we have monthly but I want to consider, I want to ask you um, to really consider today what God might be asking you to sow into it. And it may be something that comes out of abundance. But sometimes God asks us to sow not out of abundance, but out of sacrifice. And there's two reasons to sow into, um, well, the main reason is that we want to be obedient to God. But, but two reasons under that is that, First of all, like when you sow into rescuing lives, you're, you're not just sowing into, um, you're sowing into the preaching of the gospel, but you're also sowing into the care for the least of these. And I, I want to invest in things like that. And the second thing is that because he's here, he's, he is our guest, and we honor people who, who are guests. And we just, we believe that God's put favor on him. And so we also want to sow into him because it's a form of honor. And, and so I just want to ask you um, to take, take a moment. I know that nobody carries checks anymore. But, if, but if, you were to, if you were to have your checkbook, like old school, then I, I want you to consider if you can go onto the website and give, designate to Rescuing Lives or Benevolence this week. Um, if you want to come give a check, you can put it right here. Um, and we will and we will get it to him. Um, but we just want to strongly encourage people to consider sowing into this because because we believe that there will be kingdom fruit. 
and we just we love you so much. Quickly, um, Jordan and myself were going in the Uber, and we were talking to the Uber driver, and he's from Ghana, and his wife is a preacher, and uh, we talked to him and just encouraged him. He asked us good questions. What are the challenges of you being a pastor? And uh, we encouraged them, told them our hope is on Jesus, and um, we invited him to come to church today, and they're here. Uh, Peter and his wife are here. We just don't want to embarrass you. We just want to honor you, because honor has an aroma. Dishonor has an odor. You don't see any bad odor here. We honor you. Thank you for coming. And uh, thank you for preaching the gospel. Even though you don't get liked in the Facebook, don't worry about it. You know, keep doing what God has called you to do because obedience is success. In preaching the gospel and evangelism, if you obey God, you're successful. I, I encouraged Peter saying that uh, um, uh, Jordan myself told him, if you pray for people when they get healed, who gets the glory? God gets the glory, Right? But when you pray, if they don't get healed, why are you taking the blame? Just do the job. The result is God will give it. Obedience is success in evangelism and ministry. God bless you for coming to Clear Path. I'm telling you, no traffic here. It's clear always. You can always come. <laughs> Being an Uber driver, no, you see a lot of traffic in life. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Safe place for you to be. And uh, so... Thank you. We welcome you. <laughs> we love you guys. We want to take, um, please take a moment and to be prayerful. In fact, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. God, I pray that you would quicken our hearts in generosity and not just in generosity, God, but in partnership with the gospel. Um, as, as Paul even prayed that we would become in our sowing partners with J. Paul in the gospel that goes forth in India. And so, Lord, I pray that you would quicken people's spirit today to give and that you would make us open to exactly what it is you've called us to. And, Lord, I pray there would be an impartation of faith and that even our giving would be in connection with that, with that grace, God. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to come and and grab elements, and we're going to come back to our seat, and we're going to close, close our time so you can come to the table.